trusted voice of truth and light. The narratives that mislead most of us aren't outright lies. They're the deliberate omission of facts that could give us a more complete picture. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. The world needs your leadership, and the essence of leadership is using your influence wisely wherever you happen to be standing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, once again, welcome to the show, fellow wrong thinkers. I am joined by Gary Welch. Gary, I can tell it's going to be a, a really great show just because... Just the warm up as we're getting ready to go on the air. It's like we can't help ourselves. We 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 dove into the into the show without uh, the music ever having played. Right. Well, and, let's and you know, go ahead. And this is the cool thing about being a wrong thinker is you know we call it wrong thinker, but I I really think it's right thinking, but wrong with the status quo, and wrong with what's going on with what is accepted. And and one of the things that that in coming into the show that I was thinking about was what it means to be a wrong thinker is also to ask the right questions. We're not asking just the general questions and the one that plays into the political mainstream, but asking these serious questions like, let's look at this in a different way and let's question what they're doing here because it's not adding up. It's not logical. It's not making any sense at all. And I think that that's a, a, a big aspect of being a wrong thinker. No, I, I agree. And, and I want to make clear for anybody who may be joining us, if this is your inaugural you know, time joining the show and, and, and tuning in, uh, we don't have a particular political goal here. We really want to suss out some of the issues and, and things that are going on. And um, I, I saw a quote today that just made a whole lot of sense to me. And that is, if you base your worldview or your life, for that matter, on principles and values Rather than people and parties, you have a lot less apologizing to do. And so that's kind of the approach that I like to take as well. Now, having said that, Gary, you are one of the more astute political minds. You have worked uh, for a long time as as a marketer, as a political strategist. You've worked within various political parties. Uh, and so you have a very strong sense of what works and what doesn't. And, and I, I relish the opportunity to get to pick your brain. I'll tell you, though, I... I'm looking at some of the people who are holding on against all hope that Trump is going to pull this victory out and somehow he is going to remain in the White House come January 20th. And and I'm starting to get shades of remember the dead enders who who maintained, no, no, we will follow Saddam Hussein to the very end. And I'm not saying Trump is Saddam Hussein. I'm just saying they didn't know when it was time to say, "Okay, folks, party's over. Let's move on. I'm getting that same vibe. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and and this is part of what the political culture creates, and and that is these cults of personalities, where you get behind the individual right or wrong. And, and we have talked about this before that when your guy is in, he can do no wrong. Once he leaves office, then yeah, all the criticisms come out. But remember when George Bush, I, I I think George Bush was an either one. I don't care either one. You could pick which one you want, dad or son. They were both bad presidents. I wouldn't call them horrible, but I would say they were bad presidents. Sure. But while they were in office, they could do no wrong. The Republicans were all behind them. Everything was great. These were great guys. Once they got out, then it's, oh, yeah, they were this and that. And then, then that's what happens in politics. You get behind these guys and see them as your guy, your team, per se, and never look at them 
constructively or objectively. And, and, and I think that that was one of the big things our founding fathers, when they created this country, was they always said, A, do not trust government. I don't care who's in office. You don't trust them. And B, don't believe everything they tell you. And don't get caught up into the personalities. Get caught up in the principles. Get caught up in the ideas. Get caught up in what they are doing, not what they're saying. And we really have lost that. I think that that's a big loss in in modern day politics. Well, there's a quandary that I'm facing in that. I'm not pretending that this election doesn't even matter. You know, I'm so aloof. Look at me. I'm above it all. Um, Here's my concern. And I know I'm going to anger some people when I say this. I don't really care if Donald Trump is president or not. And and it's not that I, I think he's the source of all that is bad. I don't think he was trying to usher in a fourth Reich or anything like that. Um, I think the election is bigger than Donald Trump and whatever personal aspirations or goals he may have at stake. The problem that I have and, and, it, and it troubles me. I don't want to be one of those dead enders who's like, oh, please, please, you know, let something happen that that magically, you know, turns the tide here. But it seems really clear that there are irregularities. And if someone says, well, prove them, I'm like, where do you start? There there are enough irregularities that I all I'm saying is they deserve a very thorough investigation and and vetting of where did things go wrong? Where were things done correctly? And and if that isn't done, in other words, if Trump quietly steps aside on January 20th and Joe Biden, um, who currently occupies the office of the stolen election, uh, becomes president, it leaves in place a question mark of, well, do our votes matter at all? And, and, and you mentioned this before we went on the air. The alternative is, though, if Trump comes along and the courts step in and somehow the courts invalidate the election results and it goes to state legislatures or to the House of Representatives and the, the president is seated under those circumstances, the same accusations going to be made. Well, do our votes even matter anymore? So I, we're, we're, we're damned if we do and damned if we don't. And, and I feel like that is some very thin ice underneath our skates as we move out further into that territory. So this is actually a very good point, and I think it it indicates what you and I have been trying to do for a long time, which is look behind the curtain, okay? You know, don't ignore the guy behind the curtain. He's the guy, right? He's the one that is making is pulling all those levers and making it look bigger than what it really is. And in politics, there's there's two rules that I always tell people about who are very involved in the, in the political arena. Rule number one is 90% of the time, whatever they're saying is a lie or a misconception or a mistruth or a diversion or something like that. Very seldom are they telling you the absolute truth. And number two, there is always something going on underneath. You're looking at the tip of the iceberg And what they are showing you is very little about what's going on underneath. And this election, to me, I see just that. I see, one, that they're not telling us the truth, and then they're trying to deceive us about what's going on. And number two, I see a bigger play here, both on the Democrats and the Republican side, and even the Libertarians in some ways. There's some lot of things going on inside of this that I see from my perspective of looking at this and going, hmm, I don't think these guys are on the up and up. 
Okay. Now we this is some fertile territory. We can we have a lot to unpack there. I want to go back to the libertarians for a moment because I've I've heard some some pretty interesting grumbling over the last four weeks about how well the only reason this thing wasn't decided uh, one way or the other. Some saying in Trump's favor, some saying in Biden's favor already is because of those dang libertarians. And so I'm going to ask you, just Gary, did the libertarians cost Trump this election? No, I don't think that, well, yeah, that's a hard one. There's a yes and a no to this. No in actual votes. Um, if you looked at it, like, would these people have voted for Trump? No. But let's let's go a little bit deeper into that. If there was no libertarian candidate at all, and the only two choices was Joe Biden or Donald Trump, and everybody else was eliminated. Let's say we're like the communists, and when you know you have to be a Democrat or a Republican, and that's all your choices are. In that kind of a scenario, yes, I, I think Trump. I think more libertarians would have voted for Trump than Biden. That's pretty obvious to me. Okay, but I don't think that those who voted for Joe Jorgensen necessarily would have voted for Trump if she wasn't in the race. What bothers me, though, is the libertarians, not all of them, but I'm seeing a lot of articles coming from libertarians that are saying, yeah, we're glad to be the spoilers. Um, that Wow. They want to take credit. We, we feel good. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Okay. So, so, Quibono, why would they want to have that perception of taking? Does this show that finally we're becoming a force to be reckoned with, or is there something else? And here's kind of where it gets into the deep side of things that we as a society need to take a look at in our politics. And that is, where are your loyalties? Is your loyalty to your country, to your fellow citizens, to your voters, or is it to your party? Oh, now I wonder how many people other than the hardcore politicos ask themselves that, you know, when they go to vote, do they do they ask, am I voting for the party? Some do, you know, the ones going straight party ticket. But I would think they would be kind of a minority compared to most of the voters. All right. We'll come back to this in a few moments. I'm very anxious, Gary, to hear your take on um, what may be cooking beneath the surface that uh, could benefit the Democrats or the Republicans in the way things are shaking out or not shaking out as the case may be we will be back with gary welch right after this this is the brian hyde show This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Gary Welch is my guest. I was just uh, I was just commiserating with Gary and saying, I, I think we're missing a great opportunity, Gary, in that we should be live streaming <laughs> the whole the whole behind the scenes portion of the show, uh, including what happens when the commercials come on and you and I are just uh, chatting behind the scenes. Because I think that's some of the best. Those are some of the best moments. That's some of the best material that we go over. And then oh, well, well, we're back. All right. Back to decorum. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. 
Such things a, I could say in private and things I could say in a public microphone are two different things. Well, and it's it's not that they're so radical. It's just, uh, well, I guess what it shows is the conversation continues. This is stuff that both of us care deeply about. And, and I want to make a distinction because this is one of the things you and I were discussing. We don't discuss this because we are political animals and that's all that we care about. And that's how we define our lives. Now, this is a facet of life. And for a lot of people, it's a very, very important one. In fact, I'd go so far as to say it may be overstated in its importance, given how many people are, are literally in terror that everything's going to change with a Biden-Harris presidency. It's all going to change. Gary, I'm sure you see this as well. People think the whole world is going to come crashing down if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are taking office on January 20th. Now, I think you're kind of a skeptic of that. It's not that uh, you, you would have chosen them, but uh, give me some of that larger perspective behind why, why don't you tremble in fear that, that everything is going to fall apart like a soup sandwich just because Trump would no longer be president? So let me first set the stage by talking about some realities about politics. And one of the things that I have discovered is that out of all of the voters, those who vote in election and, and are active or what you would say participate in the political process by voting, 90% of them, 90% of them don't care, don't know, don't want to care, and don't want to know. There's only 10% of us that I would say is a politically aware or awoke, if you want to use that term, we're awake where we realize it and it's important to us and we get more involved and we go on talk shows and we become talk show hosts and we talk about it and we try to influence, we become candidates and political operatives working in parties and stuff like that. That is a very small percentage of a small percentage. I mean, even those who vote usually is what about what 40% or less, sometimes even down to 20%. And then out of those only 10% of them, are politically aware, politically active, and politically concerned. And so we are this very, very small minority of, of the U.S. population that are trying to make things happen. Well, and, and I love that... Uh... I'm not trying to sound like I'm superior to anybody. Look, I have my insecurities. I have things that I'm concerned about for the future. But I am very happy to say who is in the Oval Office really doesn't matter that much to me in the long run. In other words, my life doesn't change depending on whether it's Donald Trump or somebody else. And that's a conscious decision on my part in that, uh, you know, yeah, they may influence certain policies. And some of those policies have, you know, kind of an ancillary effect on this area of my life or that area. But nobody has that kind of power over me. And, and furthermore, I embrace the idea that uh, there is an employer employee relationship at stake here. And Gary, I want you to elaborate on this because you're the one who really clarified this for me in the first place. Who works for whom? And I think this gets into the issue of patriotism versus nationalism and and, part, and party politics versus the principles of what makes America great. I am a firm believer in the principles of the United States of America and the, and the principles that were outlined in our Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution. That is what is important to me. Whether we call this the United States of America or the, the Mickey Mouse country of America or anything like that, that's irrelevant to me. 
the flag, all those other things are important symbolisms. But what really is important is these concepts and principles of individual rights and that the power belongs to the people, not to the government. And this is kind of where it gets into this. These guys are our employees. That's it. They're not our rulers. They're not our leaders. They are our employees. They do what we tell them. They are supposed to be there trying to serve us. And they have taken a different view. They look at themselves as rulers. They, they look at themselves as the enlightened elite. They don't like us. They don't trust us. They definitely don't respect us. And that is because we have allowed them to do that. And so what we were talking about off the air was just that, that I don't care who's president. It doesn't matter. You're just an employee to me. You're not my guy. Donald Trump wasn't my guy. Barack Obama wasn't my guy. How dare you? You were my employee. How dare you say <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yes. But but I there know. are but there are people and, and we all know people who whose lives are so saturated with politics that they, they really believe that well, if you're not a hardcore Trump supporter, Gary, then you must be playing for the enemy side. And I don't know how you get people past that. I, I'm not saying that you have to turn your back on politics completely. But, but I think that if people would moderate their intake or moderate the the uh, daily allowance of politics that they allow to dominate their thinking, they would find a measurable improvement in their happiness, their their productivity, and, and their general outlook. And they'd realize how little impact it actually has on most areas of our life. And, and those areas, are even then, require our consent. We have to be consciously going, oh, yeah, that matters to me, and I'm going to think about it. But that's really to the point then. So let's use the Republican Party as a good example, because for those of us that would classify ourselves as conservative or or libertarians and and of that freedom, liberty minded individuals, that is the major party that we would most identify with. When you look at the party, what the Republican Party stands for, you know, things like right to life, Second Amendment rights, free speech, um, limited government. But ask yourself, how well have they done in these areas? How well have they protected these principles that we hold dear? Is your loyalty to the party or to those principles? Because if your loyalty is to those principles, then when they don't do what you want them to do, you criticize them. You you fire them. You get them out of office and you don't care. You don't sit there and go, well, you're a Republican, so um, yeah, I'm going to keep you in because you're not doing what I want you to do. You're not, you're not going with my principles. No, like every employee, you go, dude, I hired you to do something. You didn't do it. You're out of here. Here, here. If, if only we could keep that relationship, you know, firmly, you know, in, in its proper perspective. And, and this, is, this is, I guess, more uh, to, to the point of where we're going to be going in, in the next couple of segments of the show. Um, look, we're, we're not just about uh, sitting here and griping. You know, we're not grumpy old men sitting on a park bench feeding the pigeons and complaining about the kids these days. I think there are some very serious challenges ahead of us. I think we actually have some heavy lifting straight ahead. And I, I'm talking like Great Depression, World War II generation lifting in front of us. And, and I don't say that uh, in, in a fatalistic, oh, it's, it's all going to suck uh, sense. I say it in the sense that I think actually some of our finest moments as individuals and even as a nation could be ahead of us. 
but we got to be prepared. And, and simply approaching it from a partisan point of view is not going to be enough. Like you p- pointed out, Gary, the principles are what will make or break us when we experience those tough times. Any other thoughts? And that's our, and that's our role is the first thing I need you to do is to shift your thinking. If I can get you to shift your thinking so that you're not thinking along partisan lines, that's the start. We start there. Everything else then starts flowing along with it. Now, can I translate what you just said, just just to make sure people understand? He isn't saying shift your thinking so that you agree with me. He's saying shift your thinking so that you're actually thinking for yourself as a wrong thinker does. I'm serious. We we are the only cult out there who asks you to become a member so that we can brainwash you into thinking for yourself. And it's, it's a great feeling. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Gary Welch is my guest. As usual, some of the best exchanges take place during the commercial break. But, Gary, there are two things I really want to pick your brain on here as we move forward. Um, Before we went on the air, you had mentioned that uh, the way that this election is playing out, even though it appears very clear that there are some serious questions about uh, how above board and how um, honest and transparent the counting of the votes may have been. In other words, it appears that there's some fraudulent stuff at play here. Even so... Republicans may be banking on this benefiting them. Explain to me how that works. So one of the things that where I was talking about shift your thinking, and you were absolutely right, it's think for yourself, but it's also question everything in politics. Don't accept it. Don't say my party's right and always right, no matter what. And so if I make this statement that the Democrat Party and the Republican Party are corrupt institutions. I know for you, Brian, you're going to go, yeah, well, that's, I know that. But I would even think the majority of Americans would say, yeah, there, there is some corruption. But when it comes to your own party, are you willing to say, yeah, the party that I support is a corrupt party. It's corrupt through and through. And there are people behind there that are trying to do things that necessarily are not what I want them to do. And when it comes to Donald Trump, Take a look at what he has done to the GOP and to those status quo guys, the deep state guys, as we call them. But these status quo people who built this power, who have this control, and these are guys behind the scenes, not your candidates. You think that power is with the candidates. You are wrong. It is all of these chairmen and committee guys and everyone who are behind the scenes. You don't know their names. You don't know what they are doing. But these are the power players in the Republican Party. And I can almost guarantee you they do not like what Donald Trump was doing because he was challenging them. He was challenging them on everything that they were doing. He was challenging them on what they were doing. He was trying to reform the party. And what do you do with dissenters? You silence them. You get rid of them. So what does this election do for the Republicans? Let's say you're those status quo guys. You're those deep stater guys. Guess what? You use this opportunity to get rid of your troublemaker. He's gone. 
you also went in the Congress, but you get your guys elected where you want them to. But also now you set up Joe Biden. You come out with this whole thing and say, yes, it was a fraudulent election. It was a lot of lots of fraud going on. We all agree with that. He's not legitimate. And now he can't do nothing. In midterms, you got you win big. Then guess what? 2020, you got you put your guy in. You just got rid of your troublemaker. You just put yourself in a very good position. If it benefits the Republican Party to do so, my question is to you, loyal Republicans. Are you willing to call out your party on this? Where is your loyalty? Where is your loyalty? Is it to your party or to your country? Because if it's to your country, I think somebody needs to start calling these people out and saying, wait a second, what happened here? Well, and this is one of the concerns that I have is if the uh, the fraud or the apparent fraud, the alleged fraud, I don't know the right way to say it. If if this isn't answered in such a way that uh, it's addressed and either shown that, look, this is just a simple misunderstanding or this can be explained, you know, to the satisfaction of of uh, people like myself, then, you know, go ahead, have at it. But it seems that uh, there's a very clear effort, at least on the part of the media. I mean, come on, really? The office of the president-elect. I feel like they're, they're, they're living out the Muppet show here or trying to put on a Muppet show for us. Um, there's a question over the election. And until the electors have cast their votes, until the votes have been certified, um, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a fait accompli. It's not. And that doesn't mean that I just won't, re- won't accept reality. It means I want to see that accountability and I want some answers because we have to know that there, there is some kind of integrity to the system. And if, if, we, if we don't see legitimacy, then I think that puts us in a very dangerous position, Gary. And that's, that's where people uh, may be tempted to say, well, you know, obviously the ballot box doesn't work. I guess we have to resort to other means to impose our okay. view of, of what is good. And this is true for the left as well as for the right. I think the left has just been a little more eager to show us what they mean by that. But uh, neither of those things bode well for us. And in fact, uh, I was telling you off the air, uh, Lynn Wood, the attorney, um, I'm trying to remember who he represented that uh, that, uh, you know, kind of established Lynn as as uh, the big time. But uh, Lynn Wood put a tweet out today saying we are headed for a civil war, folks. And because of that, he is calling on the president to declare martial law in order to clean up this mess regarding uh, the, the traitorous actions of those who would game our electoral system and, and make a mockery of our elections. And, and there are people cheering on the political right. Yes, this is what needs to happen. And I wonder, do they not see the danger in what they're advocating? And this is the situation we put ourselves in. 2020 has demonstrated beyond all doubt that we have given our government ultimate power. Folks, they incarcerated us in our own homes without due process by one individual, your governor. You know, that was it. All it took. That's the power we have given them. And when you have ultimate power at play, that that's the reward for winning. Winning takes on significant consequences and that we must do whatever is necessary to win. And, and this is what bothers me 
is they are getting to the point that we will do whatever is necessary to win. We will break laws to win. We will break morals to win. We will do whatever is necessary to win. And now the words are coming up. We are willing to do violence to win. We are willing to declare martial law to win. We are willing to just break everything this country stands for to win. That is a serious, flawed thinking that we need to stop because that's not what is important. What is important is we get this country right. Let me play devil's advocate for a moment, because I know there are people, and I mean good people, within the sound of our voices, Gary, who are going, but guys, guys, you've seen the willingness of the left to get out there and burn cities to the ground and beat people and and destroy businesses and destroy homes just because they disagree with people. And we have to answer this with some kind of superior force. You know there are people who are saying that. Why is it that we need to to make very clear that to saying oh declare martial law is is the absolute wrong way to go about fixing that? So I like always because everybody likes using Nazi Germany as their their point. You know, of this is what happens. Was the failure of of Germany and putting Hitler in power? The failure of people not getting violent when the when the brown shirts started getting violent, or was it a failure of the German people that they became intimidated and they succumbed to the violence and they and they they surrendered to it? Uh, all it took was just a bunch of them standing up and saying, "No, we're not going to let you intimidate us. We're not going to give you power. We're not going to to we're going to you know hurt you." for doing this by standing against you. It's a political resolve. It doesn't have to be a military violent resolve, just a political resolve. Well, this is, this is one of the areas where I, I hope I'm on the right page here, but I'm a very firm believer in the power of consent. And withdrawing your consent doesn't have to be, you know, going and, and self-immolating like the Buddhist monk did in Vietnam to protest what was going on there. It can be something much more low-key. It could be, um, I'm tired of all the uh, social justice stuff that my kids are being spoon-fed, or more likely force-fed, in their public school. I'm going to pull my kids out. We're going to homeschool them, or we're going to put them in a private school, even though it's going to be a big sacrifice on our part. It can be something little, but it has great impact when people do that. And I think there are many areas of our lives where we can withdraw consent, even if we can't completely withdraw from society itself. And then that's just exactly it. You show political resistance by simply saying your actions, your activities, these things that you are doing, I strongly oppose them. And therefore, I'm not going to give you what you want. If I deny you what you're trying to achieve, then you stop doing those behaviors. It's just like with your kids. You do this, I put you in your room and, and, and restrict you to your room, and that stops that behavior. It's the exact same thing in politics. We just got to show these people these behaviors are not acceptable, but that's the problem. We're not coming out and saying these behaviors are not acceptable. We're saying, yeah, whatever. Interesting. I think we're looking at it from a couple of different vantage points, but I also think we're we're probably pulling in a common direction. We've got to take a break. Gary Welch is my guest. We'll be back just the other side of these messages.
is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. And just like that, we are back. Gary Welch is my guest. All right, Gary, I feel like I've been complaining. So I'm ready to talk some solutions. And this is something that I know you spend a lot of time contemplating and, and advocating. So let's, let's talk about some solutions. Things are looking dire on a lot of fronts. It doesn't mean that life is no longer worth living. What are some things we could or should be doing? And that's one of the things that I've always enjoyed about you, Brian, and what you stand for. When it comes to this medium and people who are out there on the talk show circuit and whatnot, is you we we kind of like that commiserating with the fellow our fellow people and just sitting there arguing and griping and complaining and saying how bad it is and you're an individual that says no let's do something about it why why sit there and say it's so bad it's so terrible or that this is inevitable why do if we sit there and say that a civil war is inevitable guess what that's exactly what happened in the 1860s they just consigned themselves to that war when in reality that was the most preventable war in the history of the United States other than maybe Vietnam. That was something that could have been totally prevented and, and not had to happen. But they consigned themselves like it's going to happen, so it does. And so we need to be those voices that are coming out that saying, hey, there is a different way and there is a solution to this. So as, as I previously mentioned, to me, the first start is – be willing to question everything in politics, including your own party, especially your own party. And I don't care whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Constitution Party, Green Party. It does not matter. Be always willing that when you see your party doing something wrong, when you see your party not holding up to your principles, that you question that. And here's the key point that I want to talk about. We always are, th- are trusting the voters, the, the general obscure voter, to make change. And if you're trusting the voter, man, you put your trust in the wrong place. Because like I said, 90% don't care and they don't know. They're just voting for the guy that looked good on TV. They're voting for the guy who had the great commercial. They're voting along party lines because that's all, you know, I see a D, I see an R, I vote, that's it. I don't know, I don't care. It is those 10%, though. Here's the thing that we have to realize is those that 10% of us that are aware, that are politically active, we can cause change. But what we need to do is cause change within our own parties and within the political system. This is where we need to work. This is our battleground. It is not in the government offices. It is not in the elections. It's when we get down and we start looking at our parties for what they are and hold them accountable. That is the biggest thing that we can do. Number one, first, just change your shift. Question things. If they're not doing what you think is right, don't sit there and let that loyalty filter filter out all the garbage. Look at it for what it is, because when you do, you're going to go, guess what? That doesn't smell right. <laughs> so and when you let me ask you this, though, and, and, I, and I'm saying this is uh, this is my, my glass half full 
uh, or glass half empty uh, mindset. When I look at some of these parties, I think, can they be fixed? Can you actually affect change within some of the parties? Because it feels as though they are structured to resist any kind of change that, that threatens the status quo. If there's any kind of meaningful change, they're very quick to weed people out who would advocate for those kind of changes. And that is an absolutely good point. So here's something that I think most people who are talking like, let's reform the GOP or let's reform the Democrat Party and whatnot. So here is something that I like to just give everybody. There is never in the history of human civilization been an organization that once it becomes corrupted has internally and on its own changed. That never happens. Never. It always requires an outside force to make the change. And if you think about it, it just makes sense. Once your institution becomes corrupted, then the people who are corrupting it and the people who place themselves in power do all the things necessary to keep that power. So they silence all the dissenters. They get rid of the troublemakers. They make sure that outcomes are always the way that they want to have it happen. So if you're looking for an internal, oh, it's just going to come on its own, that is not going to happen. It always requires an outside force that challenges that status quo, that challenges that. We saw a little bit of that with the Tea Party. We saw a little bit of, of that with Donald Trump. That, that to me gives me hope because that tells me those of us that are out there are starting to do this. We're starting to wake up and we're starting to not only wake up, but we're starting to push back. And we need to carry that forward. We need to carry that forward and start putting pressure on these organizations of either change or be replaced. And you have to be willing to accept that. And one of the things that we keep on saying is no, because if we do that, well, the other side will win. You know, the Democrats are going to win and we're going to have that. No, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, but we have to come together and have an understanding of what we're trying to achieve, have these common goals, have these common principles. And to me, that's what it's going to stand for, is what if we rallied around the goal of integrity and accountability in our government, integrity and accountability in our political parties. And we, we created organizations and structures to create the, or to force these issues upon these political parties to say, look, if you don't change, we're going somewhere else. And that's really what it requires. It requires that willingness to step out. If you, if you are married to a beater, you know, the, a white beater per se, if you're a woman and your husband is beating you, you have to have the courage to say, I'm going to walk out of that marriage. Otherwise, it's going to continue. And I think that that has to be a part of what we need to do is that willingness to say, my loyalty is to my country my fellow citizens, and to the principles that make this country great. Not to the country itself, you know, not to the nationalism side of things, but to those principles of individual liberty, God-given rights, freedom of, of a people-controlled government, where we control the government, they don't control us. These are the things that we need to stand up for and say, this is what, combi- this is what binds us. I like it. And I especially like the fact that what you're talking about is something best undertaken 
voluntarily. In other words, this isn't mandatory. It's not mandatory unity. It's not, you know, some some government program that's going to bring everybody on the same page. This is something you can do on a strictly voluntary basis. And in fact, it works best when it's done that way. With the idea that, yeah, we want to cause true reform and that we're not after this for our own personal desires and whatnot, but that we really want to make a better society. And one of the things that I've always had against third parties is that they get very singularized on a single issue. They take some issue or some program, you know, whether that be the constitutionalism or the, the um, non-aggression principle, and then they get so focused on it and it becomes everything. And the problem with that is they take it to these extreme degrees where they try to apply it for in every circumstance. And it doesn't. It does, just doesn't apply to every circumstances. So what if we rallied instead of rallying around the Constitution, which is not bad. I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. But instead of just rallying around that and letting that extremist part, part take point or that extremist point take a hold of us or around the non-aggression principle where we take that, well, let's let everybody go into anarchy. That's cool. What if we rallied around, let's make America the way our founding fathers established it. Let's set up a government that we don't trust. We never trust government, ever. We always want to control them. We always want to be in charge of them. We always want to make sure they're doing what we want. What if we rallied around that? What if that became our goals? And I think that that can find widespread support. Nope. Agreed. So this is our invitation to you, our beloved listener. Please consider becoming a wrong thinker. We've got a lot of ideas and ways that you can do this. I would recommend go to my website, thebrianhydeshow.com. There are uh, lots of resources for wrong thinkers there. You'll also find ways that you can, can join us, so to speak, by supporting this program, by becoming a wrong thinker yourself as a wrong thinker patron. It'll give you access to some things that uh, not everybody has access to. Wink, wink. Anything else you want to add to that, Gary? <laughs> you will benefit greatly by it. Okay, thanks for letting me pick your brain again, my friend. I appreciate it. Uh, it's, I don't think we're going to have any lack of things to discuss and commiserate about in the days ahead. Not at all. In fact, yeah, this is. you think 2020 was bad? Wait for 2021. That's the spirit. <laughs> thanks again. This is The Brian Hyde Show.